Hey everyone, Josh Taylor here from Canine Education. Another episode going down in history for CE Podcast. Uh, Going to be talking today about um, pulling on leash. So we did an episode on this and I had so many people reach out. They wanted to know more. Uh, it's so hard to, of course, you know, say everything in 20 minutes. Um, so I thought I would do kind of like a part two or a pulling on leash 2.0, I guess we could call it. So a few things. We talked about red light, green light uh, in the previous episode, which was all about making sure that the moment the leash goes tight, we're stopping. We're trying to get our dog's attention if need be. The moment the leash is loose, it's green light, right? So red light means, or yeah, red light means no, green light means go, okay? That's the emphasis behind what you're trying to teach your dog or puppy. Now, what I was also talking about in the episode was how it's important to kind of divide training and walking. So if you try to do red light, green light, when you're actually trying to get like to the park, let's say, I mean, you're going to want to shoot me the next time you, you hear me or see me. Okay. And I, I, I don't want that to happen guys. Okay. So instead I want you to make sure that we are taking five to 10 minutes where you're solely practicing the pulling on leash. All right. This means that you have no destination in mind. This is how it's this is how you make it sustainable, okay? You got to practice and 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 you know, work out and so on before you go and do a marathon, right? It's the same thing. You're not just going to wake up one day and and say I'm going to run what is it? Like 40k or whatever it is, okay? So the idea here is practice makes perfect. So to go into more detail with the red light green light, the heel and so on, um I wanted to really make sure and be clear that I'm not talking about reactivity. So I'm not talking about your dog pulling when he, you know he or she sees another dog because that's like a whole different ball game. All right. So don't worry, those episodes are coming, okay? But right now I'm really just talking about like the aesthetics of the heel itself. So before it was red light, green light, now we're getting into heel. So for heel. Something that I do that is very, very different than the red light, green light is I don't wait until the leash gets tight. So I have my dog in what we call the starting position. So the starting position is just getting your dog to sit by your side. Focus or eye contact would be fantastic, of course. And the idea here is that the moment I take one step, I stop. All right. The leash is completely loose. I want the dog to make their own decision. As soon as I stop, the chances are that my dog is going ahead of me. This is, of course, an untrained dog we're talking about. Um, When this happens, immediately I start backing up, okay? You are not using your arms or hands. You are not yanking your dog or anything like this. You are just casually walking back. The whole idea of this is that, of course, the dog is going to turn around and say, oh, what's going on? And follow you and then you're gonna try and get your dog back over to your side all right and then you're repeating this over and over and over and again if you try to do this when you need to get down the street or you're down the street and you're trying to get back home because you have that conference in five minutes trust me this is not the time to do heal and a lot of people will say but Josh 
Am I going to, you know, send the wrong signals or the wrong message if I'm doing it half of the time or a quarter of the time and the other time I'm not? This is why it is imperative that you have some form of off cue. Okay, some form of way of giving permission, like you can do this now, or you can go smell, you can do this. So having an off cue like break, free, uh, okay, but you know, I, I recommend, you know, okay is very, uh, it, it's, it's way too vague. So using something like break or free, I think is much, much better for, for working uh, um, behaviors like this. So the idea is, is let's say I'm done with the heel, not because my dog isn't listening or because they're pulling. Okay. Try to be proactive and end on a good note. Don't just stop doing it because your dog is pulling you down the street like crazy. Once you, you know, you're in a little bit of a vibe, things are going really well. It's like, okay, you know, I'm going to give that off cue. So I'm going to say like, you know, uh, break or freak. And now this lets my dog know that they're allowed to smell. They're allowed to go over the side. They're allowed to kind of do all those things. And I know what you're thinking. There's going to be some of you out there probably saying something along the lines of, yeah, but, but Josh, my, my dog, you know, I don't have to give them a break. They're just always off cue. <laughs> so they're always pulling or they're always smelling something like, how do I get my dog to just not do those things? Well, that's where your red light, green light comes in. But something I learned that is super crucial for this practice is do not do it on the sidewalk. All right. So what I would do is I would do it right in the middle of your street. All right. Now, obviously pick a dead street. Okay. Not like a boulevard where there's cars, you know, coming, you know, 50, 60 uh, kilometers an hour, pick an area that's very quiet, uh, you know, but I would try to refrain from being on a path where there's grass nearby. Because not only is your dog going to want to go smell that grass, but you're not probably going to give the off cues, which then the dog just associates, oh, well, I can go and smell and do and, and, you know, pull or do whatever I like whenever I like. Okay. So this is why it's so important that you are, um, uh, you're giving these breaks, these, these off cues so that your dog understands that now is the time I get to smell, I get to play, etc. And I'm going to give you a little piece of my, I mean, I'm already giving you a piece of my mind, but I'm going to give you something a little bit more in detail about how I think when I work dogs, whether it's my client's dogs or my own. All right. Is I want you to think of like a little pie. All right. And we have this pie split three ways. So there's three compartments and one part of this pie is the training. So this is you doing like, you know, your sit and look at me and the, the red light, green light and the heel and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So all that's happening in that one chunk Then the other chunk, we're going to just call it like, like active rest. This is where you can even just give an off cue, even sit down like at a bench, let's say preferably not when it's minus 40, but you know, when you have, uh, you know, in the spring or the summer, you're going walking by the water or whatever the case might be, or you're on a trail and you just take a break. You sit down for five, 10 minutes and you just let the dog chill. The idea here is that eventually the dog lays down and just relaxes with you. You're ignoring the dog. You're not trying to reward the dog when, when, you know, they're calm or resting or this and that. You're just trying to wait for calmness to strike. And the idea here is that active rest is a very important part of this pie in any context of what you're doing, whether you're doing stuff at home with your dog, you're out on a walk with your dog, like it's important. Right. And then the other piece 
is true mental stimulation. So for me, if we're doing it this pie in the context of your walking, which this is what we're talking about, right? Heal is I would think of mental stimulation as sniffing the grass, sniffing the grass, you know, getting all these scents, these smells. A lot of people were, will completely refrain from the dog smelling and, and doing this, but you have to understand that this is extremely important for the dog. And this actually helps them regulate their heart rate. So I don't know if you realize that, but believe it or not, sniffing helps regulation. So regulation is so important. This might sound very familiar, okay? If you are, if you are one of those tryhards, all right, who just goes out there and is doing heel the whole time, doing the red light, green light, like, you know, I'm not going to do it like half the time or a quarter of the time or for five minutes. I'm going to do it for the whole walk. And if your dog is jumping on you and biting you, biting the leash, um, just excessively pulling, just not being nice on your walk. I'm not saying that it is 100% because of that, but I can attest that it is probably not helping the case. The reason why I have these three chunks in this pie is because that's how I balance the dog. That's how I balance the equation, okay? I have some incredible clients, and these incredible clients, they come with some faults. Hey, we're not all perfect, okay, including myself, but... These faults, okay, you know what it is? I'll, I'll give you a good one. I have someone where they are actually doing too much. So when someone comes to me, I, I won't lie, okay? When someone comes to me and be like, oh, my dog is really terrible. My dog does this, my dog does that. The first thing I think is you're probably not exercising the dog enough. I'm sure that, like, as a profession, like, you know, because of how much I do deal with that, it's definitely the number one thing I think of. But I have some of these just amazing customers who literally are doing more work than I do with my own kids, okay, with their dog. Like, it's crazy. And so I see what they're doing. And if they've been doing all this hard work and it's even worse or it's negative or, you know, and again, I'm trying to exclude major behavioral problems here. So I'm not talking about anxiety or you know, major stress, or I'm trying to stay away from that right now. I'm just talking about the actual obedience side of things. Um, if they're doing all of this work and they're, they're hardcore, they're doing everything to the T and things are not working, obviously either the plan is not working for them, they're doing it wrong, or they're doing so much that the dog, like a child, can be overstimulated and actually work against you in these scenarios, in these ways. So this is why it is so important that you have balance, okay? And balance with that pie chart, okay? With that three, you know, one quarter, three quarter pie chart where you're understanding that there has to be balance between those three things, okay? Active rest, mental stimulation, and then, of course, your work, your, your training. When you're doing the training, I try to always, you know, focus on calmness. So when you're teaching your dog something and they, you know, for lack of a better word, they suck at it, then don't really focus on calmness. Just get them to do what you need them to do. Once you've achieved that, then you start leveling up or skill up. And the way you skill up, the way you, you level up these behaviors is by starting to add more calmness, okay? So a, lo a lot of these um, 
you know, these charts, you know, I didn't make this up, obviously, like these charts, like uh, the, the training side of the pie, usually it's called some proactive calmness or, or calmness protocol or, you know, because what we're trying to achieve here in the training is that we're trying to reward calm, right? The, the opposite of calm, I mean, theoretically is anxiety and stress. And, and it, so we're, we're trying to get that opposite of this. And so if your dog is always super hyped up, sure, they might take treats and they might be even doing some of the obedience for you, but it doesn't last long. You know, I, I've heard it so many times where people will say something like, um, oh, my dog saw a dog across the street. He didn't bark. I gave him the cookie and then he turned and just started going crazy and barking at the dog. You know, that tells me a few things. It tells me that you're probably too close. Your timing is probably off. And it's very possible that the dog is overstimulated, among other things. Right. But again, I'm trying, I'm going to try to stay on topic here. So going back to the heel. So when it comes to your walk, you want to make sure that you have that chart. So when you're doing those five minutes of heel, if you do more than that, then there should be some form of active rest and there be, should be some form of mental stimulation. So that this way they start to understand what you're asking them and that they understand that they have breaks. Okay. We all need breaks. All right. It's so important to have them not fill that cup too quickly if you do this properly and you're going through this chart what ends up happening is instead of that bucket getting full you're actually expanding the bucket or the cup you're, you're making the cup bigger over time which means that they can do more stuff and they can handle more okay but if you just kind of use only one of those areas so if, what happens if you're doing only active rest? So those are the couch potatoes who don't take their dog out. Well, obviously, the dog is going to be super hyper and always excited and is going to always be jumping on people, right? So you see, you can't just pick even one of them. It has to be all three. That's really the name of the game. So long story short, you go outside, you're starting your walk, you're implementing that nice starting position that's getting them to sit by your side, left or right, who cares, all right? Pick the side you're more comfortable with. And then the idea is, is that the moment you take a step and boom, they start walking ahead of you, I want you to just take three steps back, talk to them, get them back over to your side, rinse and repeat. It is very likely that you're gonna be in front of your house for those full five minutes. You might even curse my name a few times, but I'm telling you now, you will start to see a little bit of success if you do this properly, all right? What I'm even going to do for you is I'm gonna make sure that I do a couple of videos. Usually we always have like the podcasts running on all platforms, so we have some on YouTube. So maybe what I'll do uh, is with my editor, I will get a couple of videos while I'm talking, like through this podcast right now, of me doing some heel. So you can actually see um, and I'll just, you know, the podcast will actually be the voice over, but you'll actually be able to kind of see how like I'm, I'm working the behavior, how I'm working the heel. I think that'll be really good. That is pretty much, you know, what I at least wanted to try and cover a bit today. Not only give you a little bit of the perspective on the heel, but also give you perspective on, you know, what it kind of looks like the formula, the, the, the concept of, you know, the active rust and the mental stimulation I see so many people trying to get their dog to stay right beside them with a tight leash and then they loosen the leash when the dog is allowed to go sniff, but they don't say anything. We already know that having the leash tight is wrong, but 
what's important to understand is that if you're not saying anything, then your dog is just going to assume that whenever they are onto a track or they're onto a scent or they see something that they want, that they could go because the leash is loose. We don't want them to learn that tight means go, right? But what does everyone do? Everyone holds the leash tight close to them and then they start walking. So the message, the signal that we're sending to the dog is the more tight you are around that lead, the more we move forward. And this is why people fall into this trap where the pulling just never gets better. Okay. So I hope I shed a little bit of light on how the heel works from the constructive criticism that I got from the podcast. People want me to keep them small and tight. The, the, the podcast as opposed to making big, huge ones. So we could consider this like a part two of the whole pulling on leash. Um, and there's going to be about 61 parts. No, no, I'm kidding. But there's going to be a few. So we'll get through that, okay? So this is part two, uh, what to do and how to do it when it comes to heel. And uh, in talking a little bit again about the psychology behind the dog um, and you know what's expected. And you know, it might sound funny to you. I realize over 18 years of doing this that, and now having my own children, that there is a lot a lot of similarities to, to a degree, okay, obviously, right? But to a degree. And the similarities that I notice is that they get overstimulated just like our children. Um, and, and the reason why I say children, because obviously adults get overstimulated too, right? It's not like that's not a thing. The reason why I'm kind of pertaining it to children is because they don't know any better, right? Like we'll get them to do something and like, we'll keep getting them to do it. And like, we'll actually see performance go down and like that should, you know, hopefully we can be proactive and, and, and prevent that from happening. But you know, we're only human, right? So when it does happen, we usually kind of say like, okay, okay, okay. Like you've had enough, like we're done for now. Right. They dogs are exactly the same. All right. In that regard. So when they start jumping and biting you, then there's a problem. It's probably because that cup is full. And I know what you're going to say. I know there's some of you out there that are going to say something like, yeah, but Josh, the moment I step foot outside, my dog is jumping on me. Well, your cup might be hit. Your dog's cup might be full, but for other reasons. So it might not have to do with overstimulation. It might have to do that. The dog is understimulated. It might have to do with the fact that the dog is not calm before you're going outside. So the dog is too excited. How does your dog act when you grab the leash? Is your dog like just jumping up and down? Remember going outside is like giving your child their biggest dream come true. I know that sounds sad, but it's so true. Every walk that you bring your dog on, it's like a dream come true. Okay. We take it for granted. Dogs don't. All right. So when you grab that leash, understand that let's say your kid really wants a PS5. You're basically giving your child whatever they want the moment that you grab that leash. So the question that you want to ask yourself is, does my dog do, does my dog deserve that PlayStation five or does my dog deserve, you know, that, that special, special, incredible, most incredible uh, treat. And the idea here is, yeah, of course the dog does. However, you want it to be in a controlled way and you want the dog to um, be calm while doing it. So do yourself a favor, pick up the leash and put it down, pick up the leash and put it down. 
And, and when your dog is calm, go ahead and pick up the leash again. Start desensitizing your dog to the triggers that is making your dog so excited. So that when you do grab that PlayStation, your kid ain't that excited about it. <laughs> okay? I hope that makes sense. I'm just trying to use children, what I know through my life with dogs and children. There's, there really is a, a big connection there. Okay? So anyhow, I hope I helped. Thank you so much once again for all of the feedback. You can message us too, by the way, cepodcast at canineeducation.ca. Don't be shy uh, in anything you want to talk about. Um, also, keep in mind that when we finally have that room done, we are going to have um, a nice couch and chairs. We're going to have an, another set of mics and uh, headphones. We're going to have other dog trainers, veterinarians, groomers, even I've all and believe it or not, spoiler alert, I've already talked to a few trainers that are not science based that have no problem coming and talking about their side of things uh, uh, because I guess they heard my my uh, my episode about why science based is uh, one of the better approaches. So I guess uh, I made I made a few a few unhappy trainers out there who want to, you know, talk to me about uh, what they think. All right. Which is perfectly fine. I'm totally game. And I, uh, I love, I love hearing everyone's side and constructive criticism is a big part of learning and uh, getting better. Right. So that's why I am who I am. And I'm here because I, uh, I learn and I continue to learn. Right. So thank you once again, Josh Taylor here from CE Podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, and I will see you next week. Have a good one. Bye.